Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Pacciuto, and I'm very excited to have my dear friend, Mr. Isaac Satin, in studio with me today. Isaac, All right. how you doing, buddy? I'm, I'm doing fantastic, John. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm excited to have you here. Isaac, introduce yourself to the listeners. I'm Isaac Satin. I'm 36 years old, father of two, uh, husband of almost 12 years now. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. John John was in my wedding party, the first one ever. My My very first wedding... That I mean, like of age, right? I took I took your virginity for wedding parties <laughs> yeah. on my wedding. Night. Yeah, you kicked off a, a streak of about <laughs> I don't know thirty other weddings that I've always been in. the groomsman, never the groom. Amen. It'll happen for you. Thank God. Um, yeah. So Isaac and I have known each other since two thousand eight. We worked together for almost three full seasons at the New Jersey Devils, um, and yeah, we just became fast friends. Fast forward to I guess almost what was it two thousand ten? You got married. Um, and, uh, I was in the wedding, we had such a fun time and we've just been really good friends ever since. And, uh, it's been a, a life goal of mine to have him on the wrong advice podcast. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we've been talking about it. Why do you think we clicked? Were we the two young guys at the time? So you were there probably what, like two or three months before I started? I started in July. So, oh no. So the same time. I feel like a week before. Okay. Which is funny. So, cause it felt like you had very much like ingrained yourself very quickly there. Um, which is interesting. Wow, I thought maybe you had started a couple months earlier. Um, so we probably started a couple weeks away. Why did we click? Um, we got launched together the first my, my first week. And uh, I think Dave Beck said, like, our former boss was like, go get lunch with Isaac. He's new too. He can kind of show you around the ropes. We got lunch, I want to say, at Francesca's. Um, fucking that chicken parm sandwich. I still think about it all the time. Did. I'm a quarter guy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we just hit it off. I mean, we both have a huge love of sports and uh, and we just, you know, kind of hit it off. And why did we become friends? I don't know, because we had a lot in common and... Trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. 22. Yeah. I mean, fucking hilarious when you think about like 15 years ago, what that feeling was like, you know, walking in the first day, full suit, tie, and... <laughs> I also I also quickly realized we're, we're very different personalities, I would think, oh, it's yeah. fair to say. Opposites attract, though, Isaac. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I think I appreciated that, and for me, and I'm sure we'll get into it today, that was kind of the start of... That was it. That was like, that's the start of our career. This is what everything's been going, <laughs> going towards, at least from my perspective, like, you know, good grades in high school, good grades in college, uh, and now... Oh, sorry. There you go. Uh, good grades in high school, good grades in college, and now, like, this is showtime. Like, this is life. Like, you know, th- this is my job that I have to be so successful. And you were just happy to be there, you know, ho-hum. And, like, I think I've had that kind of mentality for so long, and, and that's what I think drew me to you. Of Just here's this guy who has a different perspective on life and, you know, living for the moment, and I'm like, you know, how am I going to avoid getting fired here? <laughs> It's so funny how much things have changed yet also remain the same because that is a perfect and spot on definition of like who we are. You're very much a person who had like their the entirety of their life planned out from like, you know, 15 on and you've checked all those boxes and you know, here we are 15 years later, still friends, which is so fucking cool and amazing. And uh, in very similar yet very different paths of life, right? I think so. I mean, I th- the fact that we're doing this in person on a Monday, <laughs> you know, in the afternoon, says something of where we're at at this point. Of, uh, you know, for me, I just finally had to pull the plug on everything. You know, yeah, get, get out of the predictable. So, uh, so you and I have had a lot of conversations over the last, call it two, almost two years, because you know, like uh, August of 2020, I lost my job. 
um, was one of those situations where it wasn't expected and it really threw me into like this whole new path that I've sort of been on for the last two years with photography, with podcasts, now doing videos and stuff. And, you know, we had a lot of conversations over the last year about what the fucking point of life is, right? It is not about the job. It is not about the money. It is not about all of these things that, you know, for the high school, college, and young 20 and 25-year-old Isaac and John, you kind of thought that it was supposed to be about. And uh, I think it's kind of cool that we are sitting here on a Monday doing a podcast because we've sort of reached that same point in life, maybe at a little bit of a different spot. And I'm super curious how, you know, you've you've had a very successful sales career in multiple different avenues and multiple different industries and you're sort of taking a little bit of a step back from a work-life balance perspective and I'm super curious what sort of triggered that for you. Yeah, I think it's been a long time coming. I think the pandemic had impacts on everyone. I know for yourself, I remember you going on that road trip and kind of we hadn't had a chance to catch up and I just kind of saw these pictures popping up on Instagram of, you know, you and all these random places in the US. <laughs> and for me, we we hold up, we had just moved into a new apartment. Um, we had sold our condo. Uh, we, we were all about, oh, we're setting up our life, lifestyle design, we're going to be walking distance from the daycare, and we have two young kids. Um, we were driving distance from our parents to help out, you know, get help from them. And then for me to help out with my parents, my father's been sick. Um, and then just a building filled with all these like amenities and places to enjoy. And then everything went down into lockdown. And, <laughs> you know, the whole structure we had set up, just got turned on its head, and it was like pure survival mode um, sure. at that point. And I when think you have two kids, they were like what under four at the time. They right? were they were five and two, yeah. yeah. So so we actually, you know, thank goodness my wife's family has um, like a small old like uh, house in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. um, that just had room outside for us to go outside and and at least try to split the days. So we went out there, and I think that three months was just kind of this. Um, reset revelation of just you know you can do all these plans and it just doesn't matter mm-hmm. you know it gets thrown out the window someone said to me this week uh, man makes plans and God laughs I hadn't <laughs> heard that before I thought that was good um, so I think that was just like we never fully recovered from just all of that getting turned upside down um, and just yeah I think it all culminated with um, this feeling of of just what what are we doing you know what are we kind of what are we going? Is it a we thing or an I thing? I think it's my. It's an I thing because my wife is very happy with how our life has kind of become and stru- become structured, and you know she pushed in the last year. We've moved into a house, which she's been very excited about. Um, and I think for me, it was just I've always had kind of this philosophical mindset, and I've always followed the rules. I'm a big rule follower. Oh, yeah. of, of being on the path <laughs> that you're supposed to be on. And I think in the last couple of weeks, months, um, it all kind of just, not short-circuited, but I was just like, we got to mix things up. Yeah, well, I think when you go through, as a society, what the vast majority of human beings went through over the course of the last year, to two years, it's impossible not to have those sort of questions for yourself. It's impossible not to ask yourself, what the fuck am I doing? What is the point of all this? Right. And I struggle with that still daily, weekly imposter syndrome. Why am I doing this? Am I any good? And to compound those types of feelings when I, you know, thankfully I'm a single human being, but you're 
married, you have two children, there are people who rely on you, there's a lot of pressure to sort of live a certain way and act a certain way and work a certain way. And it's it's sort of refreshing. I think there's been a lot of that. There's been a mass exodus from the workforce because of what's transpired over the last couple of years. Yeah. And I think something I remember thinking when the pandemic started was, I am being substandard for everyone. Like, mm. I can't be, I don't feel like I'm being a good employee. I don't feel like I'm being a good husband. I'm not being a good father. I'm not being a good son. I'm just kind of surviving in all these aspects of my life simultaneously. And just taking a closer look at it, it was like, okay, well, which one of these has the most flexibility here to go? <laughs> um, and for the time being, it was the job. But, uh, you know, even that's turned around that I've I've been able to navigate into a very, very good situation. Um, and I think that goes to just always still maintaining that professionalism and that, you know, energy and positive attitude at work. But being very transparent at work was saying, you know, right now, that energy and that attitude needs to go towards my family and myself. Mm -hmm. It has to. It just has to. I mean, first of all, it goes without saying that I love that immensely, right? Like making choices for the people in your life versus like things and careers are, I think, the most important decisions that people can make, right? You're not chasing something for more money or better shit, right? And I think additionally... I would, I'm really curious to know. So for, for the listener's context, Isaac basically was like, I'm resigning my job. He put in his two weeks notice with his firm. He'd been there, what, six years, seven years? 11 years. Holy fuck. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Close. Um, been there for 11 years. And he was just like, listen, I've been very successful financially. I've done very well for myself. And it's time for me to sort of reevaluate and unplug for a bit and focus on my family. And... Isaac's company was like, cool, good idea, except no. We counted your resignation. <laughs> and I'm super curious what that, uh, what does that conversation feel like for you as an employee who tenders their resignation and then the company is like, you're too valuable for us to lose you. What does that do for your ego and what does that do for like what you feel like as an employee in a company? Yeah. I think that's the ego is a really interesting way to think about it because there's so many emotions tied up in this decision i mean let's let's call it what it is the end of the day i'm becoming the stay-at-home dad right that was the focus so it's not some you know me and my wife have joked about that and and you know jen that it's not like some crazy thing it's just that the gender roles are reversed so that's what makes it so unusual Mm -hmm. um but at the same time you know i had not really even anticipated my company coming back and countering it because the role I was currently in seemed like it was too... Is that better? No, no. I was going to say, to be oh. fair, I was the one... I did say this was going to happen. <laughs> I did say this to you. You were like, yeah, I'm going to put in my notice. I was like, oh, yeah. I have a feeling they're going to counter you and be like, no, you can't go. <laughs> yeah. So I, because of my role, I didn't think it was going to be possible, but they moved very quickly all the way at the top levels. And that's what I've always loved about my my company and my organization is that they truly do care about the people. Um, I was with them when they were 15 people wow. in the New York office. And now we're probably 200 plus people and wow. 70 or 80 people globally. Now, like probably close to 800 globally. Awesome. Um and they were just able to maneuver very quickly, listen to everything I said, and come up with both uh, a role that I would really immensely enjoy and fit my skill set of kind of a, a learning and development for our clients. And then more so, I mean, I still need to pinch myself of from the hourly perspective, it's going to be around 15 hours a week. Um you know, when I go back and I was able to negotiate a lot of time off as well, uh, because I needed it, you know, I need this time to recharge right now and just figure out how to get 
away from being high strung all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily think that's going to change. That is a facet of Isaac Satin as a human being. I think it's a great goal to have, right? To be much more like me, chill, relax, and less stress. Um, I, I, I would love that for you. Um, so the choice to resign your job comes from a position of financial security. You've been a big proponent of, I want to retire super young, and you've been involved in this community for, I guess, close to 10 years now of, of sort of pre-planning this. I want to, I want to work to live and not the other way around. Yeah. Live to work. Um, so there is financial flexibility that you've built into your life and your marriage and your fatherhood and all of this stuff that has allowed you this opportunity. Um, what was that decision-making process like? Because it's not that you're foregoing everything in life, right? You still go on vacation. You still buy nice things like right, whatever. But like a long time ago, you came to me and you were like, listen, I'm going to start living a certain way so that I can cut the cord and live differently. I think uh, I'm going to tell you a story about yourself just to give you some perspective on me uh, of, of our differences. I remember in those early days we were referring to, you were talking about uh, your credit cards mm -hmm. and having like credit card debt. And I think for myself that, and it sounds so dumb, you know, and insulated, but I just didn't understand the concept of having credit card debt. Sure. I had grown up in, you know, a, a household where like you pay off your credit card every month. It mm -hmm. is equivalent to cash. I don't even think I knew you could carry a balance. <laughs> like I just didn't like, I didn't know what happened to you if you didn't pay it when you got the statement, but like you have to pay off the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think I, I had a good financial foundation, which I think is what makes it so challenging for so many people. And I'm a mm -hmm. huge advocate of financial literacy, financial education, um, you know, and I have always been a proponent of that. I think it started when uh, my daughter was going to be born and it was like, OK, well, you have to figure out how to save for college. Mm -hmm. How do you do this now? Let's go <laughs> research on the interwebs how to do that. And that's when I kind of stumbled into this whole, you know, financial independence community, which Listen, everyone's trying to retire, right? I think that's a goal of everyone. And if you save more money, you're just going to be able to move up that date. So mm -hmm. that kind of became the focus at that point to try to just do everything to optimize our lives to put ourselves in the best financial position. And, you know, I, at this point, I think we're in a very good spot. Um, you know, you're not, like a, you're not at a hundred percent of goal, but you're, yeah. of course not. And my wife's still working and I'm still going to work. And, but I thought, think I also in the last two years, I think, I think I also wanted to educate myself as much as possible. I remember in our early jobs, someone saying to me, you know, I was trying to understand how taxes worked. And, <laughs> and you know, the, the person at our company, they had no interest in describing to this 23-year-old how, you know, as a commissioned salesperson, my taxes worked. And I'm mm -hmm. like, well, who is supposed to explain this to me? Yeah. You know, like, there's no one to explain it to you. And, you know, I was just like, okay, I'm going to educate myself as much as possible on that. And when you start to peel back the layers, like, you start to find these little corners of the internet and, and podcast universes, podcasts became bigger to like, just consume it all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a struggling completionist, I guess is the word that like, well, when I I like start something, yeah, like, you know, like, if, if there's a list of something, I want to listen to all of it, yeah. you know, I want to read all of it in order, get every <laughs> single one, you know, yeah. and it's an unhealthy thing that I'm very type. Yeah. yeah. So you but that's how I approached kind of this universe. And that's how a couple of years ago, I got into real estate. And that's just blossomed and doesn't really well future who knows what happens but yeah. for now it's it's you know allowed us to kind of do that i was gonna i, I want to just take a step back something that kind of occurred to me something i admire about you something i admire about all the people you have on your podcast who are in the photography world kind of 
pursuing that passion and, and aiming to take their interests and interlace them with their everyday life. I think for me, my whole youth was trying to indulge in that and working mm-hmm. in sports yeah. since I was 12 years old. You know, we got a minor league baseball team in the town next to me and I wrote them a handwritten letter before they even had a name. And I said, I want to come work for you. Like I'm Isaac Satin. I'm here to work in sports at 13 years old. And, you know, <laughs> through high school, I was in their press box, the press box attendant. I got to see, that's awesome. you know, how the front office worked as a young kid from behind closed doors. I, I had all the C and D list celebrities. I got to sit with all like the news reporters and, and get to know them as a kid. I never heard that story. Really? Yeah. And it was amazing. It was such a good experience as a kid getting to work for the local minor league team and not be like in, you know, not be the ball boy, but like actually see behind the scenes, the sports management aspect. Um, and then you and I got into the sports world so i did those passion jobs i got to work for the phillies i got to work for the sixers i got to be on court i got to do the interaction with the players and i remember i think you and i had that i remember when like the team signed some like backup backup scrub and it's like he got a guaranteed 500 grand contract and here we are like years you know not getting raises and and during the recession times and it was just like what are we doing this for and i think i kind of sidestepped out of that passion mm-hmm. at a young age. I was like, okay, let me go. We learned a similar lesson. I didn't want to interrupt you, but yeah. so I, for the entirety of my life, wanted to work in sports. It was the only thing I ever wanted to do. I wanted to either be a sport agent or be the general manager of a franchise. And like, that's what I wanted to do. And within the first year, I knew sports was not what I wanted to do anymore. And it was, it was a good job with a good... Pl- group of people and I enjoyed what we did. I met lifelong friends out of it. It was great. I think sometimes when you're put into a position where your expectations and your realities sort of bump into each other and they don't align, that's when you sort of know that you're not meant to do something, right? So like for me, working in sports was something I always wanted to do until I did it and then I knew I didn't want to do it anymore. You know what it was for me? I'd worked for so many different teams because I've probably worked for seven or eight teams between internships and like just, you know, Mm -hmm. game day jobs and stuff. Anytime there was someone who was in that age, 25, 26, that they were looking for that next promotion, there was one of two things that happened. They either left the organization and went out to Kalamazoo or Timbuktu or whatever random city to take the next step up um, in their career and work for maybe a minor league team and get that next bracket. Or they were leaving sports all together because they were getting married and mm-hmm. they were settling down with the family. And I remember being young and thinking, wow, like, you know, that's crazy that, that people do that. Yeah. yeah, like, that's crazy that people do that. That's never going to be me. And then I'll, uh, I, I, I don't want to say who it is, even though, you know, you're not blowing up yet, John. Maybe this is the episode, but I don't <laughs> think it's going to get But it was a very high-ranking member of a professional sports team, one of the big four leagues. Um, and the person I was speaking to said she sacrificed having a family. She sacrificed having a personal life for her career. And she was probably pushing 50 at that point. So there wasn't, you know, it was would be hard to, to go that other direction at that point. Mm-hmm. Um and that stuck with me always. And I think I just hit a point where I realized, you know what? It's I'm at that point. I have to choose. And I'm going to choose the family side. And now, fast forward 12 years later, I think I almost made that decision again. You did. And it's not like I'm here saying, oh, I have these passions to pursue. I just want to do the good daily stuff. I've been cooking way more than I've ever cooked. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been trying to exercise every single day. Love it. Um, take offload all the domestic responsibilities, which, you know, you as a single guy, even though you have nieces and nephews, nieces and nephews, right? Yes. Yeah. 
I still, I, I know you and your brother, I'm sure, talk about it, but until you're in it, it's hard to appreciate how all-encompassing it is. Like, today was hat and sunglasses day at my son's daycare, and, you know, we needed to make sure we had the hat and sunglasses because we showed up without one or the other, yeah, you know, he's a pariah. temper tantrum. Like, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, and that's the stuff that I'm trying to take on as much of those little burdens as possible. Sure. Because it's like, what else do I have to stress about right now? Yeah. That's how I've structured my life now, or I'm trying to structure my life. So uh, I, I do want to say, so like, uh, so much of my life had been about money. Um, like even like the early days, like in my mid twenties, holy shit, I was a financial disaster. I was spending it as I made it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Gambling like crazy. Like I was such a mess of a fucking human being. And you learn a really tough lesson when those 24% APR bills start rolling in and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, my God. I had tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt, which, you know, through being very diligent in my early 30s, I was able to chip away at. And I'm in a position now where I'm making very little money, but I'm comfortable because I don't have the burden of debt anymore and school loans and such. Um, and I made some really bad decisions in my 20s that impacted really nothing because I was just mitigating, right? But when I took a job at the beginning of 2020, which I thought was going to be the thing for me to set me up long term financially, you know, from a monetary perspective, from a career perspective, and it didn't work out, I started asking myself questions of what the fuck is the point, right? I I joke all the time, 2020 was the best year of my life financially. I made more money in 2020 than I did in any other year of my life. And it was the most miserable year of my life. Mm. I was anxious. I was. I, I had to wear a heart monitor for a week because my doctor thought I had a heart problem. Mm. Like I was just stressed out. I was. I was not myself at all. And it. It getting fired from my job in the middle of a pandemic was the best gift I could have ever asked for. Yeah. It's a. It was a reset that allowed me to put put into a position where I needed to figure out what the fuck I wanted to do to be happy. Like. It's funny you say it that way because. I, no one was going to be firing me from my job. Yeah. Um, so I basically had to fire myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is yeah. what I effectively did. I took myself out back. And I think it came as a shock to everyone in my organization because, you know, I, I made no indication that this has been on my mind and it just all kind of ballooned to that. Um, so it's an interesting way to put it. I think the one of the greatest lessons that you learn as you get older is that people don't talk about things, right? Like you and I have, have the benefit of a great friendship where we can openly talk about things in our relationships with our friends, with our family, with our finances, whatever. I don't think that's common. I don't think people have those types of relationships often. Agreed. So when you're in a situation where, like you said, they were shocked that you did this, what are you supposed to do? Advertise that you're miserable? <laughs> Advertise that you're tired, and it's, right? And it's also, it's not, it, it wasn't because in case people from work do it was not... The job itself. No, no. Itself. Yeah, it, yeah. This is all internal stuff. Yeah. I think a major portion of it, too, is my father's health, which I'm mm -hmm. happy to talk about. You know, my father has had a slow mental decline of uh, very early onset dementia. You know, it's set in when he was around 55. Jeez. First indications of it by 57. He, he quit his own career because I think he knew before any of us knew how bad it was kind of getting for him. And he was, you know, in charge of a nursing a nursing care facility, you know, budgets, finances, numbers, probably 100 people reporting up to him. Um, and, and now we're at the the very tail end stages of that that make it really, really challenging, I think. Um, so, so it's had two impacts on me. It's had one just 
you know, you're you're so close to that frailness of life and it being mm-hmm. taken away and, and having those later years taken away. I've seen the impact it's had on, you know, my mother as well and her having to adjust all of her plans. Um, so that's very real to me. You know, to me, I, there is absolutely a countdown to, well, I'm only 19 years out from 55, God forbid. And mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, it's something that's avoided for myself. But I've had to see that. And then there's obviously the impact emotionally it's had on me, which I will admit, I'm the first one to say, I don't. I haven't dealt with it the right way. Yeah. I know I haven't dealt with it the there right way. There is no right way. There isn't. But in the last 10 years, because it's been such a critical time for career, family, all that stuff, I have just shoved it far down. And part of what's on my agenda is I have to get right with that. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever I th- that means. I, I think it's always important for, like, your own personal contextual understanding of, like, how things unravel in life is that for sure there's always like the perfect way to respond to a situation and there is a polar opposite which could be the worst possible situation how you encounter something human beings are always going to fall in between the middle there's no such thing as perfection and there is total failure i guess it's possible right but at the end of the day you do the best that you can as often as you can and things will hopefully turn out the way that they're supposed to be like when you're dealing with something that has immense tragedy associated with it and the pending loss of a parent there's no right way to handle it right you're just sort of trying to pick up the pieces as you know things are getting swept off the table and i think to your credit what you're doing now from a work perspective from a family perspective is impacted by that and i think you couldn't have made this decision at 25 right 25 year old isaac if your dad was diagnosed with early onset dementia you probably would have gone a different way. You probably would have tried to get a job to make more money, to ease the burden on your parents and done things differently. But 35, 36-year-old Isaac is like, well, I think it's time that I'm a more ever-present person in my family and be that stay-at-home dad and be this person and this reliable force. And I think that's like all you could do. Yeah. And it's, you know, this is interesting to talk about. A lot of people have said to Jen or have said to me, like, oh, is Jen so jealous of you? Like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, and and no, Jen was pushing for this more than me. Yeah. I had the apprehension of, is this the right move? And Jen was the one who said, because she had a great promotion in January. It's this job she's been wanting for five years. She's in charge of her company's largest account. And, you know, she had said to me, like, all I want to do is be able to have the workday and not worry about anything beside my job, mm-hmm. you know? And it's great. Like, I don't know how people have kids. I have two of them, and I still cannot figure <laughs> out how people have young kids. The school day ends at 3 o'clock. It doesn't start till 9. Yeah. People are constantly sick. There's random days off throughout the year that I still can't figure out why the days, <laughs> you know, why they were off. I still, I joke, I joke, February 1st, I still can't figure out there's why 91, that was off There's days. 91 religion holidays that yeah. you've never heard of, right? And, yeah. well, and what's funny also, and your sister's a teacher, right? But someone asked, or I asked my daughter, you know, why are you off today? And she's like, oh, it's the first day of the month. So, you know, the teachers just need to get the classroom ready. You know, they have to change the date, the, the, the month on the calendar. I'm like, oh, yeah, that requires a whole day off, Bella. That's not really it. But, yeah, that's very funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, I So I would be remiss without asking. So, like, you've been with your wife for, I want to say, 20 years, right? Like, you went dating we, in high school? We met when we were nine years old. Nine years old. Okay. That's fucking bonkers. <laughs> um, there is... Uh, you know, I've got plenty of friends who've been with their significant others for 10, 15, 
not 25 years or whatever that is, you know, 27 years. That's an insane amount of time. Um, talk to me about the, the ability to have frank discussions with your partner about what the expectations are for your marriage, what the expectations are for your career, your life, and things moving forward when you make this big jump like this and this big switch. Because it is obviously something that needs to be done in, in, in unison with the person that you're with. Yeah, I think... That's almost part of this, right? Is that at times I, I joke with Jen sometimes as saying, I don't want all of our conversations to be purely logistical or business like <laughs> because there is so much planning and who's doing what and what are we, who's making dinner and who's running this errand. And like, I almost part of this is offloading all of that um, so that we can get back to kind of the core of our relationship. But that's not really what you asked me. I think it's just, um, it's In some degrees, it is what I asked you. It is. It's interesting. You know, it's like uh, I, I was reading something about prenups the other day, and it was just kind of funny because, like, when you're when you're nine years old and you meet your significant other and you grow together, there's no money. Like, so there was never even that conversation, the dialogue. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of like as you grow, it's like, you know, I, I don't want to compare it to a business, but, like, anything. Things get more complicated. There's more layers, and, you know, there's these early stages that everything's exciting and, and it's successful. And then how do you kind of manage it? Well, our family's double the size that it was at the initial starting point. And I feel like just trying to um, offload a lot of the day-to-day stuff is really important. I think understanding what makes each other happy um, me and Jen are definitely opposites, and then as we've gotten older, we've become more opposite. I think that's the challenging part too. That like people do change, yeah, you know. Totally. So we've known each other now. We're going into what our fourth decade of knowing each other. We met at nine. We were together at nineteen. We were married by twenty nine, and we're you know thirty nine is not that far away. Um, so I think it's having the flexibility, but also just um, the wherewithal to realize like. We're going to change, therefore we need to, you know, change around each other and change together. Mm-hmm. I think right now a giant test for me is that, you know, like I was joking about, we're doing a ton of work on our house. We even have a house to begin with. I'm super jealous of your, you know, bachelor pad renting lifestyle here in a fun town. Don't be. Um, <laughs> but I am, you know, because it, that's where I would prefer to be. But again, I know for her, for our family, it's not where we need to be right now. But In apartment, right? I yeah. made her promise that the day our youngest goes to college, that's when we stick the for sale sign in the ground, mm-hmm. and then we get to go back to being renters. I'm, I'm super curious. I, you know, because you, you've you always said the same thing, like you would much rather prefer to be in an apartment versus like a house. Oh, yeah. And I get it, right? Like there's inherent costs and, dis- and associations with like, you know, every you own the land, you own the property, whatever the fuck goes wrong, it's your headache, right? And if you live in an apartment, cool, my sink breaks, you call maintenance, right? Like, I get it. But, like, you have four people, and, it, like, it's not conducive, right, for eight, 600 square feet, right? No pandemic, it would have worked. I loved our apartment. It would have been fine. It was it was, it was, was glorious. It was yeah. it was heaven. Okay. Um, but, hey, listen, you know, it, it is what it is, and people, what they want, want, want what they want, and I think it's just recognizing what your, what your core values and the core things of importance to you are. I'm, I'm so glad you said that. Um, you mentioned sort of, like, 2022 uh excuse me 2020 you weren't being the best version of yourself right there was a lot that you had to work on um talk to me about what that process was like identifying things in yourself about yourself about your relationships with your wife and your kids and your family and your friends and your work like what was that introspection like and was that like a difficult conversation to have with yourself yeah really hard yeah. i'm still there all i've done at this point is i've ever i've recognized it that's a huge step i haven't i haven't 
fixed myself, so to say. Um, <laughs> There's no such thing. But yeah. But, you know, it's like I, I'm you, you talk about privilege and like this whole dialogue is we haven't acknowledged that, but it's based around that. Right. Like we joke, haha, like we're, you know, it's a Monday afternoon. But like the amount of things that have had to go right in our lives that had nothing to do with us, you know, when, where we were born, all of that. But then the things that we did do have to do right to a certain extent mm-hmm. um, have to be accounted for. But, you know, beyond that, I think even then still being in a state where I can't just wake up and be like, I'm a happy person today. Yeah. You know, even though I should be, even though on paper I have it all, right? I have the house, I have the family, I have the job. You know, that's all innate and inside. And I've always been a huge fan of philosophy. I've had different points in my life where I've had a quarter-life crisis and I wanted to drop the sports thing and go into the philosophy. And it's still, you know, I'm an armchair philosopher. Um, so I want to let you in on a secret. What's that? So I don't think... Happiness can't be a state that you maintain in its entirety for every minute of every second of every hour of every day of your life. I think the the one thing that I learned... I, like. Two years ago, if you could have told me that I could wake up on a Monday and I could go to a photo studio and I could take pictures for two hours and then I could spend the next couple hours throughout that day and the next day editing those photos and then I can create them and post them and get paid to do it, I would have been like, <laughs> I get a free off. photo shoot with this uh, podcast, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Some, some sexy we'll do some. We'll right. do some tasteful nudes yes. as soon as we're done. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife will be thrilled. Um, but yeah, so like... That being said, I still have days of self-doubt. I still have days of not like depression, but of like what I'm I'm getting to do the thing I am in love with doing every day. That doesn't make me happy every day. I mean, I'm a big believer in that concept of everyone is just struggling to get by. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's the, the human experience. I think I think the human experience, I think we've fucked the human experience so badly. Well, if it even is an experience, it could I, be I in mean, a simulation. The, the whole I mean the whole structure of how society runs and how we live in this is eighteen more episodes of a podcast. <laughs> I, it's just so off to me. Um but listen, again, we're not changing this in the here and now. So yeah. you know, I've I've decided I don't know if I've decided to get really selfish at, at this point. It's phase of self- this, this season of my life or selfless. It is selfless. I'm not sure which one it is, but right now it's identifying the things that I want to work on. And even when I when I put in the resignation that day, I said three things need to happen. Or for the six week window while I'm while I'm off right now, I said I either have to become a really good cook, I have to lose thirty pounds, or I have to pick up the guitar and figure out how to start playing it. Cool. So I've done the cooking thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm doing every other day. I'm cooking something new, and and I never thought I'd be into cooking. Trying to do the exercise stuff, which the cooking that cancels it out, <laughs> and the Qatar is still for another stage of my life, a different season of my life, and that's okay. You know, I have so many things I want to fill my time with at this point that I know will lead me to a better place, which I think ultimately will be that goal of the happiness or having better chances on the regular day to wake up and go, yeah, I'm looking forward to this day. I'm I like, excited about. This. I like this idea, and I've been reading a lot about like seasons of your life and like how certain periods of your life are meant for certain things and yada, 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 and without getting super into it. But something that I focus a lot on and is the only regret that I can say that I have in my life is could I have learned the things that I've learned over the last couple of years at an earlier time? Could I have realized that I wasn't cut out for the nine to five for the smile and dial for the go to an office every day and sit behind a cubicle and make money could i have known that at 20 right so like i think 
all of my life experiences have brought me to this point. Did I know I was going to fall in love with photography? No. Did I know I was going to fall in love with creating a podcast? No. Like these are things that you learn over time. But is there any lesson that you've learned over the last two to four years that you think Isaac at 22 could have learned? Oh, that's a big question. I, I like to say that with all the major life things, me and Jen talk about this frequently, that I, I don't feel like I have any regrets. I feel like things have happened as they should. Mm-hmm. That's the planner aspect. Um, my advice to the youngins is not to pursue your passion from a career perspective, uh, but to find a company that actually cares about you, respects you, appreciates you. I think that's become very trendy in a good way in the last two years. Thankfully. Um, thankfully, and and we're getting there. But I've been fortunate to have a, a company that for 10 plus years, I feel like has had my back. And even in this scenario, rarity had the foresight to see something that I didn't see. And now it's going to be a great relationship that now I'm going to be able to continue the relationship moving forward. I guess I would jump off and say things, there's always options. Maybe let me phrase it that way. That even when you think there are no options, there are options. You know, you do have a choice. Um, it takes maybe some guts or some stupidity or craziness to kind of go after that choice. Mm-hmm. But to really try to think outside the box. I think so many people get stuck on what this is what the path is supposed to be. Absolutely. You know, these are what the... You What's know, pre- pre-laid for us. Exactly. And I think I have such admiration for people like yourself... Um, a couple other people in my life that I look to, and, and one I'm very close with, and one is one of my wife's cousins who just live very non-traditional lives, are not on the path that you're supposed to do of job, you know, money, career, this, that. And for the vast majority of people, people do need to pursue those things, and they are all paramount and important, but still getting back to, you know, how does it fit around what my needs are, what I want, and how can I interlace those two things are so important. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's funny. So like I uh, sitting in this really cool apartment that I have, I am on a daily basis wanting to sell everything I own, buy a van and never look back. You should. Hey, my brother says the same thing. You should do um, it. But it's funny because I think for all of what wonderfulness that life has given me, there's still so much more that I want. And I think when you have this pre-played, pre-laid plan of life, right? get good grades in high school for college and college for jobs and jobs for money and money for whatever you get into these situations where you start asking yourself important questions and as your friend i'm a person who's incredibly proud of the fact that you've been able to ask yourself these questions and make these life decisions and sort of take a step off the hamster wheel and you're not go ahead I was going to say so it, you're you're describing there were these series of articles that i read in the new york times that i think accelerated this whole decision for me um and one of the biggest ones tim urban who i know we both like Mm -hmm. and i pulled up my phone here but everyone can go give it a goog uh is um he wrote about kind of how the the pandemic kind of impacted all of us and there was just this great graphic uh and it was just kind of this life path um it, it showed you your life so far and it showed here's the path you've taken and here's all the paths that are now closed to you however where it's taking you to here are all the rest of the paths open, and it's an infinite amount of paths. And I think that's probably summarizing what I just said. And that just stood out to me so much that um, you know you always have that opening of where things can go. The other thing that I like to harp on is because, like, for all the sunshine and daisies that my life has been over the last almost two years of being able to pursue anything and everything I've ever wanted, 
you're still butt up against the fact that you feel like a failure if you haven't accomplished XYZ, right? So now because I'm a photographer, the fact that I haven't shot the cover of Vogue, I'm a failure. Or that I haven't gone on tour with XYZ band, I'm still a failure. And I think there's this meme graphic thing of like this cartoon guy who's like digging for like diamonds or something and he stops to turn back and walk away and he had just dug uh, a little yeah. bit deeper. I think about that a lot mm. in my mind because it, the pressure to do the norm is immense and you get reminded of it yep. on a daily basis. Absolutely. And I think the fact that I haven't given up yet, even though I haven't shot the cover of Vogue and I haven't given up yet, even though I haven't gone on tour with John Mayer is is something I'm super proud of. Um, so my question for you, Isaac Sadden, 36-year-old father of two, what are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? I wish I had a good answer for that. I think um, I don't have a good answer, John. Well, we're going to have to get back to a part two of a podcast for that. I would love a part two. I mean, you know, I think um, anyone who knows me, I think will say that I'm reliable I'm loyal. I think that's a testament. I think I've always, the people who are closest to me, I've always really valued those friendships. You know, you and I go back a long time, but the vast majority of my friends go back to that time. You know, I say I met my wife when I was nine years old, but I have another four or five of my closest friends yes, who I all met common. that year. You know, I have the vast majority of my closest friends from high school still very much keep in touch with. Um, and I think all those people can look at me as a reliable person. I'm trying to, you know, going back to that, I felt like I wasn't a good employee, good friend, good husband, good. I'm always trying to be those things and balance that out. Mm -hmm. Um, so hopefully, you know, that's, that's what I can say I'm most proud of. I like that. Um, I, I think it's easy for us to struggle you know, it's you'd be surprised how often someone has a hard time talking positively about themselves. I don't happen to be one of those people, but it is a very frequent truth that when you when you're asked to look introspectively in yourself on things that you've done well, it's impossible mm. because it's like unless you're a gigantic narcissist like I am, and then you can be very frank that I've done X Y Z and I'm all all the best. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. There's a lot of like life that gets pre-planned for us. We've touched on that a million times. Um, I used to be a person who was like very focused on like every five-year increment of my life, mm. um, and I'm super curious as like someone who's now taking a step back to like address all the importance of life. Where do you start to look forward? Is it a daily thing? That's a great question because part of the conversation with Jen, the dialogue was, "What I need now is no plan." My entire life has been a plan, and she really wanted me to to immediately quit, have no job at all, and figure out what what happens next. And from a financial perspective, like not know what the plan is for the future, like you know, get by between her income and, and the real estate income we have coming in. Um, and you know, she said that's going to be a test for you. That's going to be a challenge for you to have no plan. So I have been continually trying to embrace that. Um, you know, I have a list of to-dos that I, I want to get done, but I'm trying really hard not to feel guilty if I don't get to everything for a single day. And just each day, each day, if I can successfully do one major thing or even one minor thing, that's enough, yeah. you know? And like moving forward, I'm going to be working two days a week, off three days a week. So like there's never just going to be this pressure of like, I have to optimize the most amount of time. And here's the impact it's having already, right? The weekends now, I feel so much more present 
with my kids mm. and not feeling like I have all these other things that I need to do because this is the only free time I have because I'm so mentally burned out during the week. So it's moving around your time blocks, which are really helping. But the fact that there is no plan now and it's just, you know, we're, we're you know, I, I never like using the word blessed, especially being an agnostic, but <laughs> we're in a situation where we are able to have comfort in our lives and I want to embrace that and practice gratitude. That's the biggest thing. Ooh. I've never been on the Instagram, you know that. <laughs> and the last two weeks out of, you know, after not using that thing for eight years, I've been trying to, because you know, I read this somewhere, of each day just taking in a moment and Being having thankful. some gratitude. And and I think, you know, logging it um, is really important so that when I get to a bad place in the future, which will inevitably happen because we all have our peaks and valleys, I can come back and be like, remember that time of just the excitement, the newness, the uh, you know the world's your oysterness yeah. of it, um, and and appreciate that. And hopefully, I never even get to that dark place again. But you know, I think that's so important right now to just remember, like, Dude, you know, that is. First of all, I love everything that you just said. It goes without question that spending five minutes a day being thankful for something is something that anybody can learn from. Um, additionally, I, I do the same thing. I don't, I mean, I do post on Instagram every day, but I do mindfully write down in a, you know, spiral notebook or whatever of like what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, everything that's going on throughout the course of the day, um, once a day, because I want to look back five years from now and be like, what, you know, fucking March 21st podcast with Isaac felt really thankful that I've been having a friend for 15 years like shit like that yeah I can look at it five years from now I would love to do the journaling I think the the Instagram stuff is my first attempt at the journaling because yeah. the pictures are obviously a little <laughs> bit more fun that's why they're such a vast monster app right um and, and the meditation aspect of it and just it's it's scientifically proven it's you know across the board the people who are able to do that and put that into their lives on a regular consistent basis are happier people. I hate to say this because I like I was so anti like, you know, mindfulness and yoga and like all these things. The the practic the practical impact that just spending five minutes a day doing nothing can have on you has been has provided a market improvement on my life. Just those five minutes of meditation in the morning and at night or ten minutes or whatever I feel like I need that day has has greatly impacted and improved my life. Um, additionally You've touched on some things that I think are super important, like the the idea that we need to have a checklist of our life or our day or our week or a month, goals that we need to accomplish, things that need to get done. I don't think that is a successful thing, right? I, I yeah. For a very long time, I was super heavy into like how I could be more productive and how I could be like get more accomplished and all these things to like increase my productivity and my efficiency. And I realized like that doesn't work for me, and yeah. like. Goal setting is fine, but like being efficient and getting things done is highly individualistic. Yeah. Find a thing that works for you and do that. I think the lack of goals is a good concept in the right framing. The grind is what I've thought about a lot of, of being a successful sales professional. It's this grind mentality and just, you know, I think while my job was not one where I was working 12 hours a day and it was crazy like that. The mental stress and grind I put in myself of the goals that were innate in a position like that that's so measurable of are you being successful or not just really got to a point where I was not balancing it the right way. And to be able to unplug from the grind for however long it is, um, 
is so vital for me. I'm super curious how this entire endeavor plays out for you because I've known you for so long and I know you to be a certain type of person. I freak out in six months and I like, <laughs> you know, I, I'm back at it because, you know, this is so against the door. I, I think, I, I, I just think from like a, a lesson perspective, I would like you to document maybe a little bit more of this journey, like whether you start recording short clips on your iPhone and stuff, but there is like a, a story to tell here because you are a relatable human being, right? You've checked all the boxes. You got the 2.5 kids. You got the white picket fence. You got the great wife, the great life. And at some point, the things that actually really matter has come to fruition for you. Like you've yeah. reached that that clarity. And I'm really curious to see what the next chapter looks like. I would love to like be there every step of the way yeah. and watch how this uncovers because there's millions of people who are sitting in your position that you know you made this decision two weeks ago or whatever it was that haven't made that decision yet and yeah. haven't taken that risk. The amount of excitement I have for the future, that's what is I haven't felt that in a very long time. So I love that. And and that so that there is that existing there and I just keep going back to that of Anytime my mind would used to wander, it would always wander to the stress that was inherent with a job or work. And now it just wanders to all different directions. And I'm, I'm loving that. So uh, it's hard to have these kind of conversations with friends because they end up inherently turning very positive and like a love fest. Oh. And that's a good thing, obviously, right? It shows that we're good friends and we care about each other. But from like a life perspective, there are fears that you have and, and worries that you have moving forward. And I'm super curious what that looks like for you. Like what, what did like, what are you worried about in terms of like this journey for yourself? Yeah. This, this could be the stupidest fucking thing ever, right? <laughs> like you look at the global, I mean, it, there's so many things that could go wrong with this. Like I think the day after the stock market's plummeting, there's, you know, all that, but you know me, I'm a fatalist. Despite my enthusiasm and positivity, I think the whole world's ending in 30 years anyway. I think it's, if that it's is, not war, climate change, aliens, uh, something else that, that's unpredicted, you know, random pandemics popping up. So it's all for not anyway in my <laughs> mind. The whole thing is house money. So that's how I've lived my entire life. I know you have. I know you have. I think, you know, it's it's making sure that the kids are getting what's fair to them, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, Jen was always big on that of like, I didn't want to do this. It's obviously a major step back in income. I don't want to detract from anyone's lives unfairly at the same time i don't want my kids to be spoiled i'm not a spoiler at all with mm -hmm. the children um and it's just so different and unusual i think it's it's going to be interesting um it's just going to be interesting kind of do you have like one singular big fear singular big fear I mean, just because like just fucking up for this, be, this, this, this like because at the end of the day for me to have egg on my face for this like for at the end of the day say, like, like if I you fail you so. sorry sorry yeah if you fail right like let's say six months from now this is not working you're you want to go back you can just go back I'm in a very fortunate position that because the company has my back I'm sure I could say you know what guys this was really stupid <laughs> I'm like so we my, need to scale these hours so when back you, up when you have slack to fail yeah. How did, I mean, so maybe the fear is that I don't do all the things. Maybe the fear is that I don't lose the 30, 40 pounds. Maybe the fear is I never pick up the guitar. You know, I'm, I'm not sitting on the couch just playing video games all day as much as that would be fun. <laughs> like the days are packed. So I feel really good about that. Um, I have, you know, I, I do a horrible job of worrying about the small things, but the big things because of how I've structured my life, I'm very fortunate that I feel like I don't have to 
have those big fears. But, you know, Jen, the amount of day-to-day paranoia is yeah. ridiculous. And maybe letting that balloon, you know, fucking up my kids <laughs> because, you know, I'm making them concerned. I'm passing on these day-to-day paranoias. Yeah. Like, you know, my daughter's afraid to, like, leave her backpack on the ground for 30 seconds because someone's going to come steal it. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit, that's for me. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you can leave that there. It's okay. No one's taking that. Yeah. So, like, getting that in line to, like, not fuck up little kids. Yeah. Maybe that. Yeah, I mean, it's not just it. like an innate pressure as a parent. Oh, every, everyone's just trying to not fuck up their kids, you yeah. know, and inevitably you're going to, you know, but hopefully not bad enough that they can't figure it out. I think, I think the, the thing that as a non-parent, I like to tell my parent friends is the more you realize that our parents were our age going through the same life experiences as we are right now, sure. being parents and we turned out okay. Yeah. The more you realize that aside from, really fucking up right and fucking up your kids you'll probably do an okay job yeah i think it's interesting too there's a lot i mean people can come back from a lot like you know i'm not talking about myself at all but like you listen to other podcasts and people like you know i spent 15 years in prison for doing this and now like you know so hopefully life is pretty forgiving and if i can just continue to in my own little bubble contribute what i can to the people that rely on me um should be all right I think I, hope. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, like, listen, dude, at the end of the day, like, there's no right answer, right? Like, you just wake up, you try to do right by your kids, by your wife, by your friends, by your family, try to make yourself happy. And like, what else is there? Yeah. I mean, we're in the simulation anyway, so, you I, know, it's, it's someone else is controlling it at the end of the day. You know, as an agnostic, that is a very agnostic thought. I do <laughs> go back and forth as to whether we are living in a simulation or not. And I think the joke, whatever that may be, is that I think that's sort of how I position my life, right? Like I would rather be immensely happy today, right? And not worry about what happens tomorrow than just be a stress ball and miserable and do something that I don't love. Yeah. And I think I don't I couldn't have been that way at twenty five. Me and you were in Las Vegas. I was winning thousands and thousands of dollars. It was the greatest fucking moment of my life. And then five minutes later I was like, what the yeah, well, that's because you were spending it on a limo to take us like three blocks, which <laughs> I, like I just remember. I just remember being like, "Why is he doing this? That's so irresponsible!" Even like with us having ten drinks deep, I remember being like, "Why are we going to limo right now, going two blocks on this strip?" I mean, um, we, we're inherently different. Yeah, yeah, that describes it right there. Yeah. Um, so I'm super curious. We've been friends for a long time, and I I, I think about how friendships grow and evolve over time and i would like to get your opinion on what you think makes our relationship work so well i just think um from the earliest times we were always just very real with each other um no one ever tries to impress me i feel like uh, (laughs) in my life nor should they um you know, but I'll be frank. I think you, when we met at that age, were a big image type of person, totally. probably to other people. But at the end of the day, you and me spent more time with each other than we probably spent with anybody else. You know, we're within the confines of and in, in that role, I was going to say forty hours a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Forty hours a week plus I mean, 40. 60, 70 hours <laughs> yeah. a week. At, you know, that's a lot of time to spend with somebody. And not too many people pick up the damn phone when you're in a sales job, and they don't want to talk to you either. So who are you talking to? So I think you and I just had an opportunity to talk so much 
at such a, a pivotal point in your life where you're formative kind of, years, yeah. you know, go, go, go forth and do what you're supposed to do. At least that was my mindset. You were like, you know, who, who am I going out with tonight or what can I do that's <laughs> fun? Um, and I think I just appreciated that from from that point on. And, and I think what becomes hard is then once I leave the company, that's where the friendships usually end. But, you know, I think in adult friendships, it takes effort on both people's side. Yeah. That's the key, I think, in adult friendships is that both people do have to make an effort. Or if one person, if it's one-sided and one person's making the effort, at least when they do get together, it you can pick up exactly where you left off from before. I think that's fine, too. Yeah. And I think you and I have both of that. We both make efforts to do stuff together and... You know, sometimes it could be a year plus between seeing each other. More often than not, Pandemic, it's not. But, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think we don't ever miss a beat at all. There's so many different topics. You know, we like to talk about. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what I think makes it key. I think uh, you touched on something that's important. Like friendships evolve over time, right? And like you could spend three years seeing someone every single day, and then you could spend a year and never see them. And I think from what I've learned about how the vast majority of my friendships have grown and changed over time is that that's okay. Like you don't have to spend every minute of every day talking to someone. You don't have to see them every week. As long as you have like mutual respect and love for the people in your life, like they'll know that and they'll appreciate that. I think it's interesting. Friendships evolve. They can come back. You know, my, I I keep bringing up Jen, but she's actually rekindling with her college roommate who she actually had a falling out with. You know, they're starting to talk again via text and have been trying to plan a meetup. But that's after 15, more, more than 15 years, almost 20 years. Yeah. Um, so I think that's great, too. So, you know, that happens in life as well. I love it. Um, so I like to spend the last bit of every podcast asking a little bit of a Q&A. Some are easy, some are hard. Just sort of... Uh, you don't have these memorized yet? He's looking them up on his phone. No, it's like episode 70 or something, right? I mean, I, I do have them memorized, but like there are important <laughs> ones that I don't want to forget. What's your favorite book? Favorite book? Can I give you three? Yeah. All right. Uh, first, I'm going to go with the fiction, "The Long Walk," okay. by Stephen ba- or by uh, Richard Bachman, who's okay. actually Stephen King. It oh. was it was actually Stephen King's his earliest book. He started writing. He started writing when he was like 17, and then he put it out after his first couple of big hits um, to see if he could still get a book out there that people would like. It's excellent. Uh, they're making a movie of it. It's very. Um, Squid Games esque, where basically a hundred kids, you know, start this walk. They have to continue at four miles per hour. As they go under four miles per hour, the army shoots them dead. And it's for entertainment. This is like the Super Bowl in this dystopian <laughs> world that everyone's watching it on TV, and you're placing your bets on who you think's going to be the winner of the long walk. Excellent book. It's only like seventy five pages. That's one. Uh, the two nonfiction. Uh, the Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins mm-hmm. will teach you everything you need to know about investing and simplify it, you know, super easy. Um, 98% of the financial universe is complete bullshit. <laughs> um, third one, Essentialism by Greg McEwen, which um, I've only read twice, but had a huge impact of just the biggest thing is say no as much as possible and only do things that matter. And I think it's taken me quite some time in my life to get there. But 36 I think, years. I think I'm, I'm at that point where I'm going to try to hold on to that concept very strongly right now. It's very funny. I say yes to everything. Yeah. I really do. And you, you, you have to monitor why and what joy and pleasure and benefit is it to you to say yes. Yeah, I think I've, I've, had, I've done a bad job over the last year of 
focusing on my energy and like where I put it and I've been putting it everywhere. And now I'm starting to sort of reel it back in mm. and, uh, th- I'm going to read that book for sure. What's, uh, what's your favorite movie? Shawshank Redemption. Wow. That was quick. Oh, I mean, it's the best. Yeah. It's incredible. It's and talk, about, talk about someone who is working towards a goal or, you know, can, persistence mm-hmm. is the theme of that movie that I love so much. Um, persistence, planning, execution. You know, I don't think all you have things to, that described pre twenty twenty hard to understand why that you know is my favorite movie, but just so well done. What's your favorite food? You know, my daughter asked me this the other day, and I struggled with this because I clearly like food. Um, I mean, pizza's the easy out. I'll go. Pork tacos from Taqueria in Jersey City, if we're getting really We're going to Taqueria in 10 minutes. But it's not the Jersey City It's the same thing. No, it's not. That's a different company. It's the same. No, it's not. It's not the same owners. I'm going to bet you $5. All right. Um, Bet you the tacos. Deal. Do you believe in an afterlife? Uh, No. Why? Is there a before life? Yes. (laughs) I, I don't remember it. I didn't experience it. No. I think... You, you you arrive the day, uh, you know, you, you come out of the womb or earlier if you want to debate that. Uh, and once you're dead, that's it. You're dead. I mean, the, the whole thing, it's such chance that we're even here. It's such dumb luck that any of us are even existing. The odds of each person are so minuscule. It's ridiculous. There's nothing afterwards. So it's so funny that you say that because every reason in which you just described that there is nothing afterlife is the reasons why I think there is something after. Sure. To me, like you can't tell me that like human beings just poop out of some like primordial ooze and now you and I fucking 10 billion whatever million years later are having a conversation on a podcast. Whether we're in a simulation, whether there's a god, whether there are all those things, I don't fucking know. Um, I just think there is short-sightedness in the belief that there's just this is it. I, I, I choose not to believe that. So you end the podcast by saying that I'm short-sighted. All right, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, you do wear glasses. But yeah. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice someone's ever given you? Best piece of advice someone has given me? That's a good one. Um, you know, I, I, I remember this fondly, but it was more for a work thing, but I'll, I'll share it. My, my father said to me to uh, inspect what you expect. Hmm. Um, which, you know, my father didn't ever give me directly much advice until I asked him that. So that sticks out. And it is just something that I think has um, served me well. It hasn't been this momentous shift in my life. But, you know, to be thorough with things, um, don't assume things. Uh, you know, this is all the platter side of me again. But <laughs> that's one that I like that I'll, uh, I'll throw out there. I like that. Um, how do you deal with regret in life? That's a hard one. You try not to dwell on it. You know, you try to accept that when you make a decision, if you're making the decision based around the available information and at the time what makes the most sense, I I pride myself on, I think, being um, decisive in those situations, especially the big things. Like, you know, we're, we're having this major landscaping project done. We're still waiting on quotes from other people who didn't get back to us, and here we are. It's it's happening. But because we felt, okay, we've done enough of the due diligence, like, it's time to move. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes people with major things will spend years waffling on it, and I try not to do that. The, yeah. the decision to actually quit came together over the span of 48 hours. Wow. You know, it went from, like, a thing of, like, hey, maybe in the summertime, like, we need to think about me – 
asked for some time off to just I read a couple of those New York Times articles, like I said, um, and it just like pop, pop, pop. I'm like, what am I doing right now? Like it was getting up out of bed one morning or actually not being able to get out of bed. And it wasn't a depression, but it was just like I was not looking forward to the day. I was like, I'm just like these stressful things today. And I was like, this is not how I want to be living my life right now. So I think that's decisive, incredibly key. And very crucial. Um, I talk about inspiration a lot in my podcast, like the things that inspire me to create art, um, the things in life that I think people take for granted. Um, What inspires you? I think what inspires me is I've always from a young age have appreciated um, the opportunities afforded to me that it was almost like what inspired me was that I knew a lot of other people have worked hard to get me into a situation to be successful. So I owed it to them to do my part Mm. um, and pursue that and not kind of blow my chance, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So, I mean, I I guess that's not inspiration. Maybe in a lot of ways people describe it, but just like that fleetingness of life, it's like, Hey, I'm here. I've shown up. Like, let me put in my best effort. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to half ass this. So I try to, do my best because if I'm in that opportunity, like obviously things have aligned to put me there. I like that. That's pretty good. Um, last question. Uh, give me a recommendation for something that you've recently consumed. It could be a podcast. It could be a TV show. It could be a movie. It could be a book. Just something that you've recently consumed that you think everybody on the podcast should take a look at. That's a good one. Um, something I've recently consumed. I mean, I've been bagging through books like crazy with audible lately. Um, I liked 4,000 Weeks. That's mm-hmm. another one thematically. Oh, I'm going to take 4,000 Weeks is a good book. I'm going to refer to this New York Times article that I read because it was so impactful. Um, the Age of Anti-Ambition in the New okay. York Times. Uh, it was a couple weeks back, early uh, March of 2022. Um, and it just, you know, it describes so much of what I was feeling, of how I was feeling, of, of how you're supposed to feel from where the career is supposed to get you to just all the emotions that I was kind of struggling with and battling with and, you know, asking kind of the bigger questions. So, you know, it just hit me at the right time and, and obviously was the uh, accelerator to, to have me make this major life decision. Serendipity. Yeah. In my opinion, another indication that life is grander and bigger than we could ever imagine. Yeah. Um, or just purely happenstance and <laughs> chance. Could be. You never know. <laughs> Um, Isaac, uh, dude, obviously I love you. You've been my best friend and a good buddy of mine for 15 plus years now. It's, it's crazy. Um, I'm just sort of proud of like where you're at in your life and the man that you've become and the father that you are and the husband that you are and the friend that you are. Thank and you. it's been my pleasure to have you on my podcast and thanks so much for coming on. It was wonderful. We'll, we'll, we'll do it again for sure. And, uh, let's go eat some tacos that you'll pay for. Sounds good, buddy. Take care.